about mercy throughout the prayers tonight. As we begin this holiest day of the year on the Jewish calendar, as we said, we want to look at what the Torah tells us on how we are to celebrate and why we are to observe this solemn day. So one of the places where we have the details is from Vayikra Leviticus chapter 16, verse 29. And here Adonai tells us that it is to be a permanent regulation for you. That means forever and ever. That's why we're here every year celebrating. That on the 10th day of the 7th month, you are to deny yourselves and not do any kind of work, both the citizen and the foreigner living with you. For on this day atonement will be made for you to purify you. You will be clean before Adonai from all your sins. It is Shabbat of complete rest for you, and you are to deny yourselves. This is a permanent regulation. I could speak a little on that, but I'm not. But twice he tells us it's a permanent regulation. Okay, so it's something that's really important that he wants us to observe. The Kohen, anointed and consecrated to be Kohen in his father's place, will make the atonement. He will put on the linen, linen garments, the holy garments. He will make atonement for the especially holy place, also called the holiest of holiest. He will make atonement for the tent of meeting and the altar. He will make atonement for the Kohanim and for all the people of the community. So you see, step by step, area by area, person by person, atonement has to be made until the entire community is followed. This is a permanent regulation, the third time God's telling us, for you to make atonement for the people of Israel because of all their sins once a year to make this atonement. Moshe did as Adonai had ordered them. So this whole issue of atonement is because we have uh, a sin, all right? You know, sometimes we you know, don't like to hear that three-letter word, uh, but God used it quite a bit. And he recognized that it's a problem. It's a dilemma we're going to talk about in a few minutes. Um, but he has it all under control. And that's the good news tonight. And that's why he's brought you here, so that you can understand that God is aware of this problem that we have. But he uh, has a way to solve that problem. And so in this passage, we see that the Kohanim made sacrifice for himself and then for the people. And the people, for their part, were to deny themselves and refrain from work and set aside this day as a holy Sabbath, even as we read in the, and recited in the Amidah. This is the high Sabbath day of Yom Kippur that you have given to us. And other passages that talk about Yom Kippur and about sacrifices, we're also told that the people would confess their sins over the sacrifice that was being made on their behalf. Modern Judaism fulfills the latter two parts of the requirements here in Vayikra, uh, in other words, the confession of sins and the abstinence of work and setting aside the day. Uh, but the most important aspect, the blood sacrifice, is missing from modern Judaism and, uh, uh, and, and is ignored in modern Judaism. Actually, more precisely, it's not ignored more than the fact that the rabbis have simply replaced it with what they feel would uh, be acceptable. So this creates a dilemma for us as a Jewish and Gentile people uh, because God says it's a permanent regulation three times, right? 
if you noted that, that I drew attention to it. So three times, a permanent regulation. Three times he tells us that, and that it has to be followed in this prescribed way. And that prescribed way included blood sacrifice. But modern Judaism has no uh, sacrificial system to achieve that requirement that God gives here in the Torah. So then it makes, it should make us ask, well then can my sins really be atoned for by simple confession? If God says there has to be blood sacrifice, will simply confessing my sins and, and denying myself do, do the job? Well, I'm here to tell you no, it won't. And that's the bad news, but I have good news, so hang on there. And it's not just because I say so. You know, it's more than just because Rabbi Carroll is telling you no, it doesn't. And yes, you can tell me that there are many other rabbis who, who might disagree with me. Uh, but I like to go to the source, and the source is God. And he laid out what he prescribes for every area of our life. And to this most serious area, and again, the most holy day of the year, I think it would be good to consult the book and the author of the book to make sure that we're following what he requires. So the rabbis, although maybe well-intended or had good intentions, missed the mark when it came to this, many of them. Many ha have uh, understood and have embraced God's means of atonement through sacrifice, but many have, have not. And the reality is that many Jewish people across this country, across the island and country, around the world, are gathering together to commemorate and to observe Yom Kippur. And we'll spend this day uh, in the synagogue in prayer. Synagogues like ours will be open all day tomorrow, even in that two-hour period between the end of our morning service and the Mincha service at 3. The sanctuary will be open for private, personal prayer if you would like to, uh, to use the sanctuary for that. But many people come year after year to a synagogue on this day of Yom Kippur, and they leave without the certainty that their sins have been forgiven or their names have been written and sealed in the book of life. And that's, that's a shame because that's what this day is supposed to be all about. It is the day of atonement, not the day of confession. It's the day of atonement, the Yom Kippur. And, you know, there is a book of, of life. We've spoken on that in, in, uh, in years past. There are actually many books that are going to be opened up by God Almighty who sits on the throne, and uh, he is going to judge from those books. And I don't know about you, but I want to make sure my name is in that book of life. And the good news is God wants your name in that book, and he's made a way that we're going to look at today through his mercy so that you could have your name written in the book of life so that you leave this Yom Kippur service without a shadow of a doubt that your name is written and that your sins have been atoned for. That's why you're here tonight, because God wants you to have that assurance in your heart. The solution that he has to this dilemma is found in his Rachamim, 
which is his mercy and compassion. And that's what I want to share on a few minutes before I look at the solution with you that God has provided for mankind. Many of our prayers have been laced with this petition for God to be merciful and to extend his forgiveness to us, which I want to again encourage you, he desires to do because he is indeed a compassionate God. He is a compassionate God. And the psalmist tells us, like the psalmist, we pray out, Adonai, don't withhold your mercy from me. Let your grace and truth preserve me always. So I just want to talk about three words for mercy that are used in the Hebrew Scripture to help us understand uh, the concept behind God's mercy towards us and the nuance of meanings. Rachamim is one of my favorite wor- uh, words that we use. There's a song we sing, and someone posted this uh, earlier today in the group I'm in on Facebook, Avakesh Rachamim, I Will Ask for Mercy. Right? And, and, uh, and I love that song, God. I cry out for your mercy, and I cry out, again, not frantically, uh, not uh, nervously, not in anxiety or fear, but in confidence that when I ask, Avakesh Rachamim, when I ask for mercy, that God hears and he extends that mercy to me. And uh, so rachamim is one of it. The other word is chanun, and the other word is chesed. So we're going to start with the word chanun. And this word describes a heartfelt response by someone who has something to give to one who is in need. It generally implies extending favor, which is neither expected nor deserved. Okay. And uh, we are not always deserving of the mercy of, of God, but yet he extends it uh, to us. And um, so this is talking about the bestowal of favor from God to undeserving men. And in modern Hebrew, uh, Hanun seems to stress uh, the stronger meaning of to pardon or to show mercy. And again, mercy denotes God's loving assistance uh, to those who, who are in need of it. The Hebrew word chesed is the idea of faithful love in action. And often in the Tanakh, it refers to God's loving kindness expressed in the covenant relationship, specifically with, uh, with Israel, that he is loyal to this covenant that he has made. And his chesed denotes his persistent and unconditional tenderness, kindness, and mercy a relationship in which he seeks after man with love and mercy. He seeks after man. See, that's what's behind chesed. Not that we seek him, but that he seeks after man. It expresses his love to his covenant and his love for his people, along with his faithfulness to keep his promises towards them. And then the word racham or rachamim, uh, the root of the word actually means the womb. uh, And it has this connotation of to love deeply, usually of a superior to an inferior uh, person in a relationship. And uh, it pictures, uh, like Joseph's deep yearning for his younger brother Benjamin, but most of the uses of this word refer to God in the Hebrew uh, scriptures. There's 133 uses of the word in its various forms, but there are about 47 uses of the verb form and only 14 of them refer to men. All the rest talk about God's mercy, God's rachamim, his love, his compassion, this deep feeling that he has from, from his kishkas, you could say, 
towards you and towards me. He loves us. He loves us. He has mercy towards us. He's brought you here tonight because he loves you. He, he wants to be merciful to, towards you. And uh, he is concerned about what is happening in your life and, and your need for forgiveness that's all behind the, the chanun, the chesed, and the rachamim that he wants to extend. So when we say that God is merciful... I took those things and put them all together. We are saying that God lovingly bestows favor on us even though we don't deserve it because of his persistent and unconditional kindness that led him to demonstrate his deep love and amazing grace towards us. Let me say that again. When we say God is merciful, we are saying that God lovingly bestows favor on us even though we don't deserve it because of his persistent and unconditional kindness that led him to demonstrate his deep love and amazing grace towards us. And the writers of the Tanakh understood the mercy of God and they encouraged the people to seek that mercy. One of the prophets, Yeshiahu, in chapter 55, verse 7, said, Let the wicked person abandon his way, and the evil person hit his thoughts. Let him return to Adonai, and he will have mercy on him. Let him return to our God, for he will freely forgive. And that's the heart of God towards you and me tonight. Whether you're here in this sanctuary, whether you're listening to the podcast, God is merciful. And he wants to extend that mercy to you. And we need to heed the words of the prophet that just tells us to return to him. That's what this whole season is about. That's why Jewish people come to a synagogue on Yom Kippur. Tradition, yes, but then in our heart of hearts, we know that we need to connect to God. And, and so we come to do that. And one of the prayers that, that I was reading from the prophet Daniel I think epitomizes the prayers of Yom Kippur and the heart desire of every person who seeks atonement and forgiveness of every person who wants their name written in the book of life. So this is an extensive passage, so uh, you can follow along with me. Uh, so Daniel chapter 9, starting with verse 9, uh, it is for Adonai our God to show compassion and forgiveness. Again, this is a theme throughout the prophets, throughout the Torah, Tanakh. They understood that God's nature, his character, was to be merciful, to show compassion, to extend forgiveness. Because we rebelled against him. Verse 10, we didn't listen to the voice of Adonai, our God, so that we could live by his laws, which he presented to us through his servants, the prophets. Yes, all the Israel flouted you, your Torah, and turned away, unwilling to listen to your voice. Going to verse 15. Now Adonai, our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a strong hand, thereby winning renown for yourself, as is the case today, we sinned, we acted wickedly. Just like the prayers, the Shamnu and the Alket that we recited today, Daniel was speaking the same thing, not just for himself, but for his people. Verse 16, Adonai, in keeping with all your justice, please allow your anger and fury to be turned away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain. 
because it is due to our sins and the wrongdoings of our ancestors that Jerusalem and your people have become objects of scorn among everyone around us. Therefore, our God, listen to the prayer and pleadings of your servant, Shema Kolenu, hear our voice. And cause your face to shine on your desolated, desolated sanctuary for your own sake. My God, turn your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see how desolated we are as well as the city which bears your name. For we plead with you not because of our own righteousness. Because we have none. But because of your what? Your compassion. Your mercy. Your chesed. Your chanun. Your rachamim. Adonai here. Adonai, forgive. Adonai, pay attention and don't delay action for your own sake, my God, because your city and your people bear your name. So what is Daniel saying? Number one, he's saying, have mercy and compassion on us by extending forgiveness to us. Secondly, he's saying, we have sinned. We ignored you and your word, and we lived our lives as we wanted to. Friends, that's what sin is. Sin is actually doing things our way instead of God's way. God gives his, his righteous requirements in the Torah. You violate that, you can start with the Ten Commandments, right? You shall have no other gods before me, number one. Is there anything or anyone else in your life before God? For most people in this world, there is something that is bigger and more important than God. So we violated that. And go down through the ten. Don't steal. We went through that. You know, don't lie. It's such a, a part of the lifestyle and the culture that we live in, and it's excused away. So like Daniel, we need to be honest and understand that sin is a problem for us and ask God to extend his forgiveness to us. The third thing he says is we didn't respond to your judgment and now our lives are in a mess, and we have no way to get out of it. Then he says, Shema Kuleinu, hear our voices as we cry out to you today. And the fifth thing he says is we cry out for your mercy and compassion. Again, not because we're so righteous, but because you are a covenant-keeping God, and you are compassionate. And that's been the cry of our heart tonight. And the good news is that God in his mercy responded to Daniel and responded to, to the situation there, and the modern nation of Israel stands as a sign that God was merciful and he brought our people out of Babylon and he restored them back and he brought them back to the land in the modern era and, and the, the land is there to let us know that he is a covenant-keeping God. But part of that covenant-keeping is that he is a God of mercy and compassion. And that connects to how he extends atonement to us. So in his mercy, he responds to the cry of our hearts. And at the beginning of this message, I read the requirements that Adonai gave in the Torah for atonement uh, to take place so that we could experience forgiveness. So I was reading an article on Yom Kippur and these requirements, and one writer summarized them as, follow, uh, as follows, four different things. First, is substitution. This article went on to say that God's specific instructions to uh, Moshe was that as each Israelite came to present the offering in accordance with his station in life, he was, uh, was to regard this animal as his personal substitute. The second thing was identification. The Israelite next placed his hand upon the head of the animal 
As I said, there's other passages which we didn't read tonight. I only read one section about Yom Kippur, but you could read throughout the book of Vayikra Leviticus all about the sacrificial system, and you'll find that these requirements were there. The Israelite placed his hand upon the head of the animal and confessed his sins, which were then in a symbolic sense imputed or transferred to the animal, and the animal substitute became identified with the sin of the offerer. Third, contrary to what many people believe, it was the task of the offerer to kill the animal under the guidance of the officiating Cohen, who caught the blood and applied it in the appropriate place, depending on who brought the offering. So the third principle is the death of the animal or blood sacrifice. And the individual had to kill the animal himself so that he would be reminded that the penalty of sin is death. And the fourth thing that this article said is that while the passages in Leviticus chapter 4 do not explicitly say so, I suggest that the fourth principle is present exchange of life. When the animal died because of the sin of the one offering was upon it, its life was then transferred to him. And there's this hint of an exchange for the sins of the offer were placed upon the animal, causing it to die for its sins. And the animal died. It gave life to the one who offered it. So those are a summary of those righteous requirements in Vayikra in the book of Leviticus. Again, throughout the entire book, the, the book is all about the sacrificial system that God set up to atone for our sins. And those are the requirements that he puts down for us. But I also shared how the rabbis have changed their requirements to fit the fact that there's no temple, and therefore there's no means of offering a blood of sacrifice. And that creates a dilemma for us as mankind. But as I said, the good news is that in his great compassion and mercy, God has taken care of this dilemma. And not only promising a Messiah who would atone for our sins, but sending him to accomplish this. And this Messiah is known to us as Yeshua from Natsera, and he came into this world a little over 2,000 years ago and offered his own blood as the once-for-all sacrifice to take away the sins not only of Jewish people but of all the world. And just as the worshipers in ancient Israel had to personally be involved in the sacrifice to bring atonement for their sins, so each one of us needs to personally make a decision about the good news of atonement through Yeshua the Messiah. So I want to share one other lengthy passage, this time from the New Covenant Scriptures, which is a very Jewish book written by Jewish people in the first century, so you can hear exactly what Messiah did. And then I'm going to tell you four things that you can do to receive the compassion and mercy of God and to know that your sins are atoned for tonight. So you can follow along in the, with the PowerPoint up there. Or you can turn to the book of Hebrews, Messianic Jews, chapter 9, beginning with verse 1. Now, the first covenant, meaning the covenant given in the Tanakh, had both regulations for worship and a holy place here on earth. We read part of those regulations from Vayikra 16, and we've talked about them in the message already. A tent was set up, the outer one, which was called the holy place, in it were the menorah, the table, and the bread of presence. Beyond the second parochet was a tent called the holiest place which had the golden altar for burning incense and the Ark of the Covenant, entirely covered with gold. In the Ark were the gold jar containing the manna, Aharon's rod that sprouted, and the stone tablets of the Covenant. And above it were the Cherubim representing the Shekinah, casting their shadow on the lid of the Ark. 
but now is not the time to discuss these things in detail. With things so arranged, the Kohanim go into the outer tent all the time to discharge their duties. But only the Kohen HaKadol enters the inner one, and it goes in only once a year. And what day was that? The day of Yom Kippur. And he must always bring what? He must always bring blood. He must always bring blood. That's the requirement given by God in the Torah. Which he offers both for himself and for the sins committed in ignorance by the people. By this arrangement, the Ruach HaKodesh showed that so long as the first tent had standing, the way into the holiest place was still closed. This symbolizes the present age and indicates that the conscience of the person performing the service cannot be brought to the goal by the gifts and sacrifice he offers. For they involve only food and drink and various ceremonial washing regulations concerning the outward life imposed until the time for God to reshape the whole structure. But when the Messiah appeared 2,000 years ago as the Kohen Gadol of the good things that are happening already, then through the greater and more perfect tent, which is not man-made, that is, it's not of this created order, but it's the holy of holiest in the heavenly realms. He entered the holiest place once and for all, and he entered not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus setting people free forever. Think about it, he says here, for if sprinkling ceremonially unclean persons with the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer restores their outward purity, then how much more the blood of the Messiah, who through the eternal spirit offered himself to God as a sacrifice without blemish, will purify our conscience from works that lead to death so that we can serve the living God. Going down to verse 24 of this chapter. We are reminded, for the Messiah has entered a holiest place which is not man-made and merely a copy of the true one, but into heaven itself in order to appear now on our behalf, on your behalf, into the very presence of God. Further, he did not enter heaven to offer himself over and over again like the Kohen HaGadol who enters the holy place year after year with blood that is not his own. For then he would have to suffer death many times from the founding of the universe on But as it is, he has appeared once at the end of the ages in order to do away with sin through the sacrifice himself. Just as human beings have to die once, but after this comes judgment, so also the Messiah, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to deliver those who are eagerly waiting for him. I am one of those who is eagerly waiting for him because I recognize my need for atonement because I had a sin issue and I saw the mercy and compassion of God and I embraced it. And that's what God is calling you to do tonight. So what do I do, Rabbi Carol, to have my sins atoned for and to know that my name is written in the book of life? I'm going to tell you how you can do this because God loves you. He's merciful He saw the dilemma we had, that our sins separated us from him. And in his great compassion, he sent his one and only son to offer himself so that our sins could be atoned for. So first thing, 
is we need to acknowledge that we have a sin problem and that that problem separates us from Adonai. Shlomo, King Shlomo, when he dedicated the, uh, the temple, said, there is not one man who has not sinned. Not one. So we all stand in need of atonement. That's what atonement is about. It's not about the fasting. It's not about the confession. It's about sin. And that sin has to be atoned for. So we acknowledge that we have a sin problem that separates us from Adonai. The second is repent and ask forgiveness. We've done a lot of repenting through the prayers tonight. Make it personal. God, I confess, I repent, I have a sin issue. The third thing is to accept Adonai's mercy extended to you through the sacrifice of Yeshua, the Messiah. To believe that he is the Messiah of Israel and the Savior of the world and that his blood sacrifice alone will atone for your sins and assure that you're, ensure that your name is written in the book of life. And after you've done that, the fourth thing is to dedicate your life to following him and to growing as a Talmud, a disciple of Yeshua, by finding a local congregation, and we welcome you to be a part of Beth Emanuel, but a local congregation where you could grow in your faith and in following Yeshua. Those four simple steps I know are not easy to do, But those four simple steps will ensure that your sins are atoned for, first of all. Forgiveness is given. And secondly, that your name is written in the book of life. So we're going to ask us all to stand one more time. And I'm going to lead us in the prayer. And in this prayer, we're going to do these four things here. I'm going to ask everyone to pray with me. And as we pray tonight, if this is something that you have never done before, uh, I want to encourage you that it is the best decision you will ever, ever make, and that God, again, in his mercy has brought you here, and that uh, I or my husband would love to talk to you more about this prayer and your decision uh, after service or sometime over the next week or so, not tomorrow, we're fasting, but over a cup of coffee to talk about it. So repeat after me as we just acknowledge in prayer what I have gone over. Adonai, thank you for your mercy. Thank you that you love me. I have a sin problem, and it separates me from you. And I have no means of atonement. But I repent tonight of that sin, of doing wrong, of doing things my way, and ignoring your Torah, and ignoring you. I ask you to forgive me. I accept your means of atonement. I have no blood sacrifice, but I thank you that you sent Yeshua, who died once for all and offered his blood in the Holy of Holies in heaven so that my sins could be atoned for and my name written in the book of life. Thank you for that mercy. I choose to dedicate my life to serving you and to growing as your disciple. Amen. It's the most awesome prayer that you will ever, ever pray. And God, in his mercy, 
has wiped away the sins. He says in Isaiah, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our sins from us when we confessed and put our trust in Yeshua and what he did for us on the tree of sacrifice. And by doing that, your name has now been written in the book of life, which is an awesome thing to be confident and to know as we leave from this place tonight. If you want to open your Mogzors to page 18,